You're listening to Tech Square ATL. We tell the stories of Tech Square, the heart of Atlanta's tech scene. Breakthrough talent, breakthrough ideas, and breakthrough companies. Hey, everybody, and welcome. I'm Ian Edelson, Operations Manager for Sandbox ATL. As just about everybody already knows, we are the collaboration platform for Tech Square. We create connections that fuel commerce. And you've probably seen us around Tech Square on various screens, in various plazas, creating various spectacles, generally bringing the quirky and the fun and the smart to Tech Square. Our most visible work comes through the thousand plus member network and the collaborative workspace that you're in right now, the garage. You can learn more about this at sandboxatl.com. So I'm very excited about today's event. This is our second show and tell. I see many familiar faces from the last one, which dealt with virtual reality and augmented reality. And today's theme, as you know, is smart cities and the Internet of Things. For those of you here in person, you've had the chance to walk the science fair style exhibitions, see how the different teams are exhibit experimenting with these emerging technologies. Thank you to everybody who's sharing their experiments on the floor right now. We've got Honeywell, our presenting sponsor, WM Site, AT&T Foundry, and Pure Integration. Let's also give a lot of love to our friends at the Good Food Truck, who have brought some locally sourced goodness for us to enjoy. You can't have a smart city without smart food in your belly. So all of this connected awesomeness is made possible by our good friends and partners at Honeywell. Once again, thank you for your leadership as the presenting sponsor of this event and of the strategic partnership with Sandbox ATL. So with that, the moment you've all been waiting for, our fast forward talks. We've been building up the anticipation and I can't wait any longer for this moment. I know you can't either. This is where our three experts each step forwards by themselves onto the stage to boldly predict how these technologies will shape our lives in the next five years. First, we've got Vincent Haynes. He's an engineer from Honeywell Software Center here in Midtown Atlanta. Vincent combines his software engineer skills with a degree in economics and years of marketing experience, including time working with the Boy Scouts of America. I was in the Boy Scouts also, because uh, the ladies love a man in uniform. He's now ready to share his fast forward talk to boldly predict the future, so let's welcome him to the stage now. Hello, everyone. Is this picking up? All right. Um, my name is Vincent Haynes, and um, I'm just going to start with kind of a background of a city. And just start with today, cities make up 54% of the world population. More people live in cities than don't. And that number is going to continue to grow. And by 2050, an additional 2.5 billion people are going to be living in cities. And that's huge growth and a huge opportunity because if we can improve the lives in a city, you can improve life for over half of humanity. And that is a big opportunity that we have as society. But I wanted to start with, but why? Why are cities growing? Why are they such a great thing? And we'll start with cities are good for the environment. Right? When you have people living closer together, you have less usage of or fuel, carbon emissions, and also smaller living areas, which lead to better utilization of energy. You have their economic engines that have led to um, all sorts of growth. The, uh, the Federal Reserve estimates that 50% increase in density of population leads to a 2 to 4% growth in 
um, GDP for that city. And the last part is they're better for you. Cities have, by being so tightly together, prom promote people to walk and engage in um, physical activity. There's a study by Georgia Tech, actually, that indicates every 30 minutes per day spent in a car increases the likelihood of obesity by 3%. And these are all really great things that cities do. But <laughs> as economics teaches us, there are diminishing returns. And once you have cities get to a certain point, they're going to get too big, and it becomes really hard for them to sustain these benefits. And that is the shining opportunity of a smart city. We can take and push off those diminishing returns and allow us to leverage more of this great power that we get from cities and allow them to be bigger and more productive. Um, today, there's a lot of initiatives about smarts, about these different projects, but they're all disjointed. They're all independent. Uh, for example, in Boston, they have something called the, sh the sh sh Shot Spotter, uh, and it's an initiative to, to use audio devices to identify where a gunshot is so they can have respondents go out and look at it. And this is a really cool piece of technology, but it's independent from any other smart initiative in the city, like the cameras that they have in the metro or the analytics that's used to identify greenhouse gases emission in the city of Boston. And that is where I think there's a lot of room for improvement inside of smart cities. Working and using what cities have thrived on, which is enabling collaboration and communication. And I think smart cities need to step back and as a city build and try to promote a, a platform and build from the bottom up the ability for these different disjointed objects to work together and really collaborate to make what we consider a smart city instead of each independent piece being built separately to solve one problem. If we're able to get everything to work together, then we can really have this collaboration that leads to this big this really big, lofty goal of having an interconnected large system. If we look at just on the home level, it's already hard to deal with different businesses making different pieces and having them talk together. And it only becomes exponentially harder when you have the myriad of devices of a city. Uh, so my, my big thing is I think we need to step back and come up with a way to make these devices talk together so we can leverage all of that data together to make for a better society. And some things that we've kind of been happening towards this goal are enabling the community to help and trying to make it an open project. Um, Chattanooga has made their internet into a utility, and I think that is a strong push into making the foundation that's required to have all of these devices work together. You have New York City opening all of their public data to the community to use that to leverage to try to make new tools. You have Atlanta having hackathons that it's trying to use to build better tools to make the city smarter and working off of the talent that's located here. And I'll, I'll end with the power of cities that communicate will change the way the world, the, the world and cities in the way that paving dirt roads so cars could drive on them once did. It will be a shift in the very fabric of how we perceive a city, and we are currently helping shape that future. So keep typing, keep dreaming, and of a better world. Thank you very much. Up next, we've got Colton Griffin, CEO of WMSite, which helps warehouses, distribution centers, and manufacturers better run their operations. He's a proud Tennessee Volunteer alum, 
Colton has cut his teeth with Manhattan Associates, Genuine Parts, and his prior startup, Agilitics. He's now ready to share his fast forward talk and again, boldly predict the future. So let's welcome him to the stage. Good afternoon, thank you for having me. Um, so as Ian said, we are an analytics platform, an IoT platform for distribution center operations. But I wanted to extrapolate what I see happening in a warehouse to what I see happening in a city in the next five years. You know, businesses are always facing pressure to compete, you know, reducing costs, improving service levels, handle growth, you know, be it labor inventory and purchasing, uh, order fulfillment, on-time deliveries, you know, figuring out how to fit everything inside your warehouse. Cities are also facing pressure to serve their citizens. Lower costs, uh, lower taxes, improve service levels, improve emergency services, uh, city functions, handle growth, uh, maybe transportation. Um, figure out how to do things smarter, faster, cheaper, and provide a better experience for uh, the citizens that live there. So just as we see technology transforming distribution centers from IoT, which we're focusing on now, to robotics to drones, uh, we see uh, technology transforming cities. Um, this technology creates really rich sets of data. Uh, we look at a lot of data within the warehouse from the warehouse management system, the conveyor control systems, the labor management, the forecasting, transportation. Uh, the one, one, one area that I want that's, that's really relevant to IoT to focus in on is uh, data coming off of a forklift or a fork truck. So WM site is connecting that data. Uh, that's what we do within the warehouse. Uh, cities want to connect their data as well. Um, and when we look at what a smart city is, I mean, it's a city that's connected uh, uh, to the different systems that empower that city to serve their citizens. So I'm going to take an example that we use in the warehouse and apply that to where I see that in the city. Um, the connected forklift. Uh, IoT data coming off the forklift either built into the truck or on an aftermarket uh, device. Uh, provides really rich information about what's happening to, to that truck and who's driving that truck. So one use case is crash reports. Uh, every time you, so in five years, uh, I predict that every forklift out in the market will have one of these devices on it um, and that there'll be some platform such as ours that helps gather that data and provide really rich insights to, to uh, the operators that are responsible for maintaining these fleets. Um, from a crash report perspective, maybe we won't see people running into racks. Uh, maybe from a, a city's perspective, uh, they'll see IoT data coming off of uh, connected cars and connected uh, city, city um, vehicles. Uh, that in the same way that if you hit something with a fork truck, if you hit a pot uh, pothole in the road, uh, it'll send an alert to a management system and say, go fix that pothole. Because how many times have we hit a pothole before we actually called uh, 311 to get it fixed? Plenty. Um, moving on, uh, safety checklist, asset utilization, predictive maintenance. So the data coming off these four tr trucks is, is very, very rich in, in enforcing safety protocols, uh, understanding how well you use that asset, uh, the productivity of the asset, um, and then be able to predict and get ahead of maintenance issues. So all this is, is being proven right now, and I, and I believe it will become become how we think about uh, how we maintain these assets in, in, the, in, the, in the warehousing world and distribution world. Same for cities. Safety checklists, asset utilization, predictive maintenance. Uh, if you look at you know, companies such as like UPS, 
really leading the way in, in, in uh, getting away from scheduled maintenance to predictive maintenance and knowing exactly when you need to service the vehicles that are out in your fleet. Um, you know, how well are we using these assets that as citizens we're responsible for and paying for? Uh, you know, a connected city uh, is, is grabbing data from these, uh, from these assets and, and providing insight. Uh, and then safety. So, uh, so, you know, currently we have the ability to slow a fork truck if it, uh, forklift if it goes around the corner too fast or it's a, approaching a blind intersection uh, by interacting with sensors uh, throughout the, the, a smart warehouse. So in a smart city, uh, as our cars become more connected, uh, interacting with traffic signals, interacting with uh, traffic lights, interacting with other signals, I mean, uh, the limits are really, uh, the possibilities are really limitless. Um, you know, and then moving on a little thing, same, same with handhelds, right? Uh, scanning devices uh, as you're, um, you know, sending a, a worker out with the device, you need to make sure that's gonna be, uh, uh, it's going to be able to work all day, right? So we can take machine data off of uh, uh, handheld scanning devices, um, aggregate over thousands of those devices, and do predictive maintenance uh, around that, and predict if that battery is going to last all day or not, or if there's a, an issue that, that might be with it. Uh, I believe that cities also use devices, uh, media readers, inspection tools, mobile data entry, uh, you know, whatever Parkland is using to write you parking tickets. So uh, I think taking these same concepts uh, and bringing it into a connected city. Uh, our smart city uh, is just going to be better for uh, all of us uh, to, you know, reduce costs, better serve our communities, and create safer communities. So that's what I had. Um, I, I, as we become more connected um, in five years, I think most of this stuff is going to be commonplace, and it's just going to change the paradigm of how we do business. And ultimately, the returns are going to be pretty impressive, uh, both in private business and in smart cities. Uh, so, thank you. Thanks, Colton. And last but certainly not least, let's welcome Nathaniel Horadam. He's a graduate student at Georgia Tech in the city planning program with a focus on transportation planning and connected autonomous vehicles. Prior to grad school, Nathan worked with a man with management consultants at Accenture, sorry, as a management consultant with Accenture, helping governments solve problems with technology. He's now ready to share his fast forward talk and boldly predict the future. So let's welcome him to the stage. All right, thank you everybody. So <clears throat> again, I'm coming at this from a transportation standpoint, uh, and that is the area that I think within five years, we're going to be fairly disappointed to throw some cold water on this smart city's idea as to what we've come up with. We'll, mostly be reinforcing the gains of the past five years and uh, looking forward to the next five after that. So to start, I just want to kind of give some perspective about where we came from. Five years ago, Uber was pretty much still a San Francisco startup. Uh, UberX was non-existent. The whole idea of ride hailing, ride sourcing, ride sharing was also uh, a novel concept. Google's driverless cars were, were a futuristic fantasy. Uh, most serious projections had driverless car adoption at least 20, if not 30 or 40 years out. And then ITS, intelligent transportation systems, uh, essentially just meant syn synchronizing your traffic signals, maybe some electronic tolling and also uh, some data collection through that. So over the next five years in transportation, I want to look at five key themes, uh, vehicle connectivity, vehicle autonomy, uh, this ride-sharing carpooling concept, and I, I don't mean what UberX is, I mean what Uber Pool is and what 
forklift line is where you're truly sharing the vehicle as passengers with other passengers you don't know uh, or, or may know, but uh, transportation vis visualization uh, and then mobility as a service. So uh, 2022, the Connected Autonomous Vehicle, uh, the uh, NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration will be mandating by 2020 or 2021 that all new light vehicles have DSRC, dedicated short range communications installed in every vehicle, every new light vehicle. And that's going to facilitate your vehicle to vehicle communications and uh, also subsequently your vehicle to infrastructure communications as we start to put sensors out to collect data and then possibly even perform basic traffic management functions. Uh, you're gonna see level one autonomy in most new models, uh, all but the lowest end, and that's gonna be your maybe lane assist, although some people don't particularly like that. Uh, your automatic braking on highways, and it's basically gonna eliminate fender benders, uh, and then also possibly some adaptive cruise control. I think you'll see transit, uh, MARTA, I, I've got my eyes on MARTA, possibly experimenting with autonomous technologies, uh, looking at entirely new models for offering service to Atlanta, Metro Atlanta residents. And then another key point that gets kind of often overlooked is we don't have our cities mapped in 3D yet. And some uh, Google and Tesla, sorry, Google and Uber have been doing that to a great extent, but cities haven't really done that yet. And that's a, a big prerequisite for rolling out autonomous vehicles. Um, and I will say for level five autonomy, I think every major developer is going to be able to put one on the road and almost none of them will exist on US public roads. The first mayor that tries it, maybe from a Midwest post-industrial decline city, may try it and it will be the worst decision they ever made because they will not understand the implications of putting an entire fleet out there that creates all sorts of new traffic problems, jurisdictional issues, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, uh, for Scott here, I put in a, a picture, I don't know if people recognize this image, but this is Dallas Bryce Howard from the TV show Black Mirror, in an episode where all future interactions, people rate, every, people rate every single social interaction they have with another person. And, and carpooling has been this holy grail for transportation planners. If we cannot get people to take transit, let's at least get them out of single occupancy vehicles or into those vehicles with more people to reduce congestion. As we're becoming an increasingly uh, averse society toward random interactions, I think it's possible you see peer-to-peer -peer rating systems for things like Liftline or Uber Pool that totally undermine the system, create all sorts of equity issues, and leave carpooling as kind of this still elusive goal. And then on the last two points, uh, transportation visual visualization and mobility as a service, uh, this is a screenshot from the prototype that my MARTA hackathon team built in the February hackathon uh, that we won that created a so-called last mile, first mile, last mile solution to um, you know, MARTA basically filling in between where MARTA doesn't have bus or train service. Uh, today, if you go on Google Maps and you try and plan a trip and you're not next to transit, it will have you walking there. Uh, this is going to be park and ride. This is going to be bicycle. This is going to be ride share, ride hail, whatever it may be, all integrated into MARTA's 
next generation application for trip planning. It's gonna make a better user experience and planners are finally gonna get to see complete end-to-end -end data that in the past they had to use surveys, they'd interview people to get this data in the past. Now they're gonna see where you and I go from start to finish after our train or our bus ride is over. Uh, and, and this is gonna enable also this, this kind of application, which again, this is just 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, are gonna integrate more and more APIs that truly bring us this concept of mobility as a service. Bike share, Maven, uh, Zipcar, um, you know, all, all sorts of new possibilities that you can start to even experiment with subscription services to a comprehensive transportation, multimodal transportation um, solution. And this will also bring in putting more people through MARTA's app or as transit agencies around the country begin to implement solutions like this, they'll be able to get new advertising revenue through it, uh, which will help them expand their networks and provide better services to customers. So are we there yet? I, I'm pessimistic because the U.S. has a big problem with decentralization and making transportation decisions. The Atlanta region is 10 counties to 18 to 20 counties, depending on which metric you're using, but that is a lot of counties, a lot of cities. Roads are owned by different authorities, and it's going to be very difficult to deploy technology across, you know, because UPS can go out there and instrument all of its vehicles and, and manage its entire fleet like this. As a city where you are accounting for everyone, connected and not connected, now you've got not just the city of Atlanta, but the city of Decatur, the city of Smyrna, uh, or city of Sandy Springs, Cobb County, uh, DeKalb County. I mean, you've got so many different pieces in place, and, and not everyone has a competent CIO or a CIO at all that can actually, that has the expertise to implement these solutions. And so you're going to see in the next five years a lot of chaos around the country as planners, civil engineers, and other folks um, in the cities trying to partner with private sector firms coming up with these comprehensive transportation solutions. And that's it. That brings our fast forwards to a close. Once again, a huge thank you to Honeywell, our three fast forward presenters, every exhibitor, and you, our audience. So for those of us joining online, thank you for checking out this show and tell. Be sure to subscribe to the Tech Square ATL podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you're in town, check out sandboxatl.com slash calendar to find an opportunity to join us in person for the next show and tell or another sampling of the connected awesomeness that we're serving up here at Sandbox ATL. And don't miss the Honeywell Huddle. Several familiar faces here from the last one. I know that many may be familiar with the program. And for those of you who are not, it is a small group huddle session where a keynote speaker will give a talk on a particular trending topic, in this case, busting through the silos, and then present a challenge where we'll break out into small groups to work on it and then reconvene to present. The next one is on Tuesday, April 18th from 6 to 8 p.m. Hope to see everybody there. And once again, thank you so much.